0: Hello and welcome to this week's GG Weekend Watch, sponsored by SBK as usual. And as usual, you have your regular pundits in Daryl Carter and Andrew Mount to guide you through this weekend's best bets. And we have an awful lot to cover yet again this weekend, but we have the return of jump racing. And as you can see, Mr. Mount himself has donned his tweed for this podcast. So he's fully getting into the swing of a national hunt season, as are we all We have five scheduled races from Cheltenham to cover. But of course, there is the Group 1 Virgin Futurity trophy stakes at Doncaster, which will hopefully give us some classic clues for next season. There are two further races at Doncaster, as well as two races at Newbury to cover as well. So very busy weekend for everyone involved. We're gonna hopefully get through this as quick as possible. So I'm just gonna briefly cover our winners from last week because we had a pretty good weekend. All in all, we had Trushan winning at even money for Andrew. We have Creative Force, the best source in the world. I don't care what anyone says. Winning for Kate Knapp at 11-2. Daryl, of course, siding with Creative Force as well. And the pair of Daryl and I teamed up for Baid to win as well, selecting him at two to one. And he ran out a very impressive winner. And Daryl also had Senior Citizen at nine to two as well. So Daryl had a very good weekend himself last weekend hopefully we'll keep the ball the ball rolling even this weekend so without further ado i better shut up we better crack on with some of these races to cover as well so we're going to begin at cheltenham and we're going to start with a 0 to 140 conditional jockeys handicap hurdle over two miles at 145 where we have a hot favorite at the head of the market in a for paul nichols and you're basically getting an each way price about any of the other runners so at this stage of the season, in a conditional jockey's handicap hurdle over two miles in the opening race of Champman's first meeting back, he's surely worth taking on at that price, isn't he, Andrew?
1: Um, very much so. Well, saying that he's one on the, the long short list of five runners. And thank you for not calling me a tweed wanker as well. I, really, <laughs> so, uh, I was going to say that. We'll uh, 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 meeting.
0: Maybe, maybe the November meeting, I might revert yeah, to that. <laughs> well,
1: after, after all the comments about how well-turned turned out you are um kate and how daryl and i look like we've slept rough i thought I'd <laughs> make so, uh, yeah, this, this is an interesting interesting race to kick off with now we've got 16 runners and uh, um only five of them uh, have got jockeys on who are able to reduce the weight of their mounts by mm-hmm. three or more pounds now uh, every single winner in the last 10 years has had a, uh, a jockey who's been able to do so so uh, those who've uh, and not being able to claim because of the conditions of this race and not from 36. So if you apply that stat, you would rule like out 11 runners leaving uh, Samariv, Nordic combined, Blacko, Samba Dancer and Byzantine Empire. So I'm going to go for Blacko, who, who caught the eye on a number of occasions when trained by Alan King. He's changed hands uh, now with Evan Williams, who does well with um, horses he takes over from other yards at the first time of asking, particularly in handicaps. I mean, this horse was 5-1 to one joint favourite for the um, Fred Winter a couple of years ago. He's twelve. You know, he, he pulled up, but since then he's had a wind operation, and um, he's £12 pounds lower this time around. Uh, I think he'll appreciate the big field and likely strong pace here, so a black for me around about 16-1. to one.
0: Yep, 16-1 to on my showing, at least anyway. Number eight there, Blacko for Evan Williams, to hopefully make an impact on his stable debut after leaving Alan King. So, very good shout early on. Daryl, yourself, please, for our first race.
2: I didn't like that stat from Andrew, because mine doesn't claim. Um, Ingleby (laughs) Hollow is the horse that I was looking at. Uh, I'm not completely writing off this favourite. He's a young four-year-old, unbeaten so far. But, uh, you know, he he could improve and, and turn out to be anything, really. But... You know that the race at kempton it was 24 lengths slower than Hydro playing on the card um so he needs to prove he can handle a big field at Cheltenham. hustle and bustle probably a stronger pace this time around very inexperienced yeah in it, anyway uh ingleby hollow was the horse I was looking at uh beating the head in the neck last twice staying on really strongly at the death i thought this horse was crying out for a, a real test of stamina or a stiffer track uh he'll mm-hmm. get that here at Cheltenham. uh it's big eye big eye catcher off four pounds lower um, behind Sto- uh, Stonific actually the horse that Andrew tipped in the uh, in the market raising summer hurdle just got snatched up in the final 100 yards it was coming with a real strong late burst I thought his mark was fair, soft ground um, if the rain has gotten into the ground we have had a lot of grain- rain it was good to mm. firm, it's now good um, but if it's got into the ground and it starts getting a bit tacky he, he won't mind that he was a soft ground winner at Doncaster Pretty um, unexposed really uh, revelations since tongue-tied and cheek pieces went on I think this sort of test could suit him so uh, Ingleby Hollow for me
0: Wonderful. And another each way price there as well around 10 to one on my showing at current time of recording as well. They're for number six, Ingleby Hollow. And I'm actually going with one of my better bets of the day in this first race. I really didn't think I would be citing a conditional jockey's handicap hurdle for one of the better bets. But when I was going back through these. there were three horses that stood out to me. Uh, Sarasota star, Pavlovsky, but he hasn't run at Cheltenham before and Bash boy who also hasn't run at Cheltenham before. So because of all of that, I've landed on Sarasota star, who is around a 12 to one shot for the Martin Keithley team, who have obviously had a fantastic summer this summer. Again, I don't like the stats that Andrew has given us because Ben Godfrey takes the ride and does not claim in this race, but this horse, he's a five year old, he's run within the last eight weeks just for two hurdle wins to his name from his 10 starts over hurdles running off of an ideal weight here of 10 stone 11 and he's already run at Cheltenham twice haven't gone to plan but he could be forgiven for last time out at Cheltenham and he's at least had a sighter at the track unlike many of his rivals here so Sarasota star for me as one of my better Bets of a day, at least, anyway. But we're all going for some big plays in this race, or at least set an each way perspective. So that is a positive. Hopefully, we can keep that trend rolling into our next race, which is at 2.20, which is a handicap chase for four-year-olds and over over three mile one. And a race won last year by subsequent King George winner, Frodon. So already, we're potentially getting some pointers here as to some big races in the main bulk of the season. And top weight in this race this year is Clothcat, last year's elaborate trophy winner and with on winning this race last year of a mark of one six four it's not inconceivable that cloth cap can win this off a mark of one five six but do you side with the class angle or do you look for something with that is potentially better handicapped daryl um oh uh,
2: well, I, I don't really know um i suppose pr- probably something Unexposed. That's mm. probably been missed by the market. Well, that's the sort of angle I'm going for here with Cool Mix. Um, this is a horse I put up at a ridiculous price for the Scottish Scottish Grand National um, over four miles. Uh, he had been run. He's only prior to that run, he'd only run over two miles seven furlongs. He was running over two and a half miles and two miles. It just looks mm. like a, a one-paced um, galloper to me. Uh, I thought he ran really, really well there to finish fifth. Uh, he, he stays really, really well. Of course, he does. I'm um, surprised they haven't gone up and tripped him a lot sooner. His, uh, his third was behind York Hill. He's two pounds lower here. He's completely unexposed at the trip. This is definitely the the the, um, the distance he wants. He's placed on every start off the back of a break, um, mm. albeit they have come over much shorter, shorter distances. I just think he's one that could have a little bit of untapped potential at this three-mile trip. His last victory was actually beating Sky Pirate at Wetherby four mm-hmm. starts going. Obviously, Sky Pirate is much, much higher in the weights now, so mm. I wouldn't take that form too literally. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it, I thought he had a fair chance of what was a wide-open race.
0: Yeah, definitely so. And even in that run, when he beat Sky Pirate, he had the current favourite market leader, Storm Control, back in third as well. So yeah. good form line to follow in that, certainly. So cool mix at 12 to 1. So nice each-way price there for a horse that definitely stays. Andrew, how do you see this race?
1: Uh, I'm going for just your type for Charlie Longston. They won this race um, five years ago, Cool Log. And uh, this one goes well, uh, really well when fresh. Um, two years ago, he won by 18 lengths on his seasonal debut, albeit in the match. Last season, he may have won first time up, but he raced at right-handed Carlisle, hated the track and jumped out to his left, lost a lot of ground. Did really well to finish fifth, being about 10 lengths. He came out um, next time and uh, won um, quite convincingly. So a horse who tends to come good at this time of year, um, went fresh, Yard had won it before. I just thought there were a lot of ticks in boxes for just your type. And uh, I have noticed he's 14 to 1 into 10 to 1 today since uh, I looked at this race this morning. So he'll do for me.
0: As you say, he has definitely been back to Yep, in this morning. So just your type horse number 13 for Charlie Longson there in the 220 at Cheltenham. And I'm actually going, I'm trying to get my best bets out of the way early, really, in this podcast, because I found this weekend very tricky in the main. So the horse that I really, really like this, I mean, I was narrowing this race down to. Cough cap, Domaine de Lille, go another one or Trucker's Lodge. But the horse who I really, really like, and I think, I think, I may decide by the end of the pod, but I think I'm going to put up as my nap, is horse number three, Domaine de Lille, because he won over three mile two on his latest start. That also came at Cheltenham, which is a huge positive for this race. This is his reappearance start, another positive. He's rated 149. He's carrying 11-5. He is an eight-year-old. He has a nice price as well, around 10 to 1 to go with his chances here should the weight proof telling for cloth cap in this race, because I do think it's going to go to a class angle rather than the unexposed. So hopefully Domaine de Lille meets that happy middle ground here. That's horse number three in the two twenty at Cheltenham. So I thought I'd better get that out of the way early on. Hopefully we'll go on to bigger and better things. So we're going to move on to our third race at Cheltenham. This is a race for the four year olds in the form of a two mile hurdle. We only have the four runners though and tritonic currently heads the betting as the even money favorite but is this an early season prize for the taking for alan king andrew
1: uh no this is probably one of the worst favorites of the weekend Tritonic. And, nice. uh, no no one's arguing that he's a good horse but he he tends to race keenly he's going to need mm-hmm. a big field and a strong pace i believe to be seen at his best uh, i can't believe anybody would want to back him at even money he's got um you know, a couple of interesting ones against him. I like to move it. Um, yeah, the pace angle, three from three in fields of 10 or fewer runners. And uh, his record in Class 2 or lower company, three from three as well. I mean, you go back to Tritonic, his small field record, fields of seven or less, second of five, sixth of seven, second of four, fourth of seven, often at short prices. Now, mm-hmm. Stephanie Causeway, he's got another one with a great chance. Um, slight concern at the moment, uh, at the time of recording, Dan Skelton one from 32 in the last fortnight. And, um, you know, there's only winners coming the Eutokster bumper. Um, it didn't look particularly deep. I know it's early days and we've got Friday's um, Friday's and racing to come. So hopefully there'll be some more positive signs with the likes of third time lucky, you know, um, before we get to see yeah. a Saturday runners. Uh, and again, you look at Stepney Causeway um, on the flat on, and over jumps, can't operate right handed or on straight courses, Naught from four. It's five from five left-handed uh under both codes um done really well for the skeleton yard he's having yet another wind operation and uh but yeah stepney Causeway. I, I like to move on. i'd much rather take that pair i mean even two shops the 60 61 outsider this one looks capable of winning races probably not until we see him go handicapping but if you look at the speed figure he got from race form for that third Hexham last time out puts him in contention here So, uh, yeah, beware of taking a short price about Trutonic. I think he'll pull hard on his return to hurdles and finish second or third here.
0: Oh, wonderful. Taking on the even-money favourite there as well with Tritonic, giving weight to his three rivals as well, which is very interesting. Daryl, do you also take him on at the head of the market?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Stepney Causeway comes off uh, best of the weights as well and of that £8 from uh, mm. from Tritonic. But the, the one, I, I like Stepney Causeway. Uh, the one concern I've got with him is that the fact that he can be quite keen as well. He was very keen at Ascot when he was behind uh, Tritonic. But, look, like Andrew just said that was a, a right-handed track. I thought he did actually quite well to finish where he did. In that particular race, he's just improved leaps and bounds. Um, that was his debut that day. He's improved leaps and bounds since then. I think his rating around, around 137 is about right. I think, um, Tritonic is obviously a very good horse or, or a decent horse, but I, I do think the Adonis has been blown up a bit too much. Um, the form yes. has not really worked out at all. And I know everyone was really impressed from how the way he quickened from the last to the line, but you know, he was still half a second slower than uh, than uh, Calico and uh, Cape, Cape Gentleman in the uh, mm-hmm. in a dovecot. You know i think your eyes flattered to deceive a little bit on that occasion um i do think he's likely to improve tritonic um he's not one just to, you know just to write off on a speed figure basis but i had it between the pair and i and i didn't think that there was too much between them and, and the 11 to 4 even money price tags i think are just far too big so i would definitely side him with uh, Stephanie causeway hoping he can make it a, a good start for dan scale i would just say about dan Scal, let's form quickly. Um, he did say that uh, he's, he's focused on quality over quantity this mm. year and that uh, a lot of his horses that he's had running, um, you know, have been running in some low-graded, uh, like, summary races and yeah. uh, I, I just wonder if he will, like Andrew said, perhaps take a step forward now, yeah, the a step forward now, they're coming up to Cheltenham and meetings like this.
0: Yeah, hopefully so, as you say, yeah, the fact that they had said at the start of the season that... They've previously uh, been running horses throughout the summer to get the numbers up, but actually focusing on the quality now that they've made that sort of bed for themselves that they can go on from there should be very interesting to see if their form does pick up. So both of the lads are taking on Tritonic, the favourite at the head of market there in the 255 at Cheltenham. And so we're going to see if that's going to continue into our fourth race because we're back with the chases now in this uh, two mile Handicap chase with 4 year and over, Where the Grand Annual winner, Sky Pirate, currently heads the betting. And because he's in this race, he's really forced the weights down of his rivals in here. But can the revelation of last season do it again, Daryl?
2: Yeah, I think he can. Um St. Cavados won this off one five six one five five. Ruse Viff won it off one five six. He's two for two over two miles at Cheltenham. I think only all mankind's the horse to the only horse to beat him over two miles. He's he's unexposed, he's only an eight-year-old. Uh you know, eight year olds are three for six in this race. on won a handicap, as you mentioned earlier on this card last year for Mark of 164. Mm. I was going through this race and I just couldn't find a way of getting beaten. Um, I know he's not got the, the best record fresh, but, uh, those, those runs have all come over longer trips. This two miles is obviously his, his ideal trip. Now. Um, I just, I just honestly couldn't find a way to get him beaten. I really couldn't. I thought, I thought the market had this bang on. I thought before midnight would be, uh, the biggest threat to him at the top of the market. Uh, I couldn't have Belargus. I just, I just don't like his action. Mm. I really don't like his action. I think he's better going right-handed. Um, yeah, and I thought it lacked a bit of depth. I thought this was a great opportunity uh, for Sky Pirates to come out and then kick on for the rest of the season, up into graded company after this.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with everything you've just said there with Sky Pirates, and I totally agree that I think that he is definitely the horse we're beating in this race,
1: even off of top weight.
0: Andrew, are you jumping on the bandwagon too? Or yeah,
1: I'm virtually yes. identical Wonderful. to what Darren said. Uh, Daryl said. Now, um, at first, I thought, oh, you know, uh, John Joe's got a top weight that keeps Belargus's weight down to a nice racing weight of ten stone five for JP. And then I thought, well, Belargus is probably best right-handed, like Daryl says. It's all sand down form and Ascot form. And uh, you look at it, you think, well, you know, since he's since he's had a wind up, and since he's um, been cut back to two miles, he's had four runs Sky Pirate, three wins, in the second to War Mankind at Warwick when he tried to live with him off level weights. Mm. War Mankind's gone in again since and is now rated 160. And uh, I, I don't think that the, the weight's going to stop him at all. I think he's a very exciting prospect. He could develop into a Queen Mother Champion chase contender this season. Mm. Um, the only danger, I thought, was before midnight, who, uh, again, like Sky Pirate, is improved for being cut back to two miles. Um, spent a lot of his, I mean, one, two bumpers for Nicky Henderson, and then ended up um, spending most of his time over sort of two miles, three or further. Scraped some of a two, three once in a week race at Taunton, but all those other sort of two and a half mile plus runs ended in defeat. And, and he goes extremely well when fresh, when, when he's been off the track for six, for more than six weeks, he's won five of his 10 starts. When he's had a, when he's fresh and running over two miles as he is here four wins and a third at Doncaster. That was in a bumper when he was ridden by a very inexperienced £7 conditional. He pulled like a train. He only got beaten a length into third that day. So, I mean, I'm I'm quite happy to dutch the two here. Back Sky Pirate, back before midnight and do the reverse forecast. Happy days.
0: Oh, wonderful. Simple. Simple as you like. Perfect. But uh, So, I like that idea of the forecast there, but we're all in agreement over Sky Pirate being the best horse in this race and should be able to live with it in a handicap. And then, as you say, hopefully, if he wins this impressively he can go on to the tingle creek then be a champion chase contender so absolutely wonderful we've got the whole season sewn up no more questions your honor right the 405 at cheltenham now this is our final scheduled race at cheltenham and this is a potent qualifier and we absolutely love these races don't we trying to see who scrapes into sixth place to qualify and not damage the handicap mark and Uh, For those wondering, yes, again, I have checked that it is, again, six places that you have to run into to qualify for the Potence final at the Cheltenham Festival. So if you're playing the long game, bear in mind who finishes sixth in this race. And currently, Gordon Elliott uh, has the market leader here in Tullybeck and is perhaps trying to target an English Potence qualifier as we have more of them. So uh, they do very often work out as less competitive than the Irish qualifiers. So is that plan going to pay off here, Andrew?
1: I uh, don't know, don't care, miss me out, that's my, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing my playing my get out of jail free card. If you, if you found 50p in the street, put 25p each way on, to be fair. At least you know this one's gonna be trying as an 11 year old and, uh, you know, could be quite happy to win a 13 grand prize. But I mean, the whole concept's quite ridiculous that you just mm-hmm. have to finish in the first six. It encourages cheating. What they should do is say that, um, we'll spin the wheel of fortune in the paddock after the race And it will say three, four, five, or six, and that's how many places immediately get you in there. So at least uh, yeah, there's a bit bit more value in finishing closer. uh...
2: And the best turned out already automatically gets in.
1: Yeah, exactly. I like that angle as well. So yeah, Um, yeah, I haven't got a clue. Pass.
0: Wonderful. I like the ideas of a new initiative here to get yourself into the pretense. Daryl, well, apart from the best turned out initiative, what angle
2: are you taking <laughs> into this race? <laughs> well, uh, it's not really an angle to be quite honest with you. I sat down to go through this race and I thought, yes, come on, let's have a good look at this. And then I read pretense yeah. <laughs> qualifier <laughs> so and I thought, word. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, the one I suppose a little bit of an angle you could you could take into, into this is that Gordon Elliott said that Tullybeg has to have good ground. He, he mm-hmm. wants good ground, and he is a chaser for the future. So they said that they're going to get another run into him and probably put him away for chasing next season. Now, I'm not one to listen to, to what trainers say, but that is interesting in the fact that he may well be here to win this race um, mm-hmm. with an aim to go chasing afterwards. He could also finish sixth in this race, put him away until the spring, a bit of good ground comes up, all, all of a sudden he's got a potential qualifying entry, and he goes and runs an attempt it's it's very, very tricky. Like Andrew, I really don't like these these type of races. Uh, I thought Tullybeg would have been the most most likely winner. Um, he's rated 136 in Ireland. He runs off 140 here. Jordan Gainford takes three off, so he's effectively only a pound higher than his Irish mark. So, so much for those uh, handicappers um, mm-hmm. treating them harshly. I think Born uh, Patriot is interesting, but uh, I think he's likely to be the sort of plot for the season. He, he's sitting around that sort of mark where you think, yeah, you, you know, you want you want to go careful with him because he could mm. have future targets. I, I didn't. I didn't really like the race. I, I'll put up Beg as a as a tentative selection, but uh, no money will be being spent on this race. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't. I do not blame you whatsoever. Like you say, as soon as you see the Temps qualifier in the title, it just oh it's so unattractive but if you like to play the anti-post specials then you might see one that's an eye catcher we've always got a few talking horses out of these qualifiers that people then want to side with um and think they're a plot job for the attempts and it doesn't work out uh, most of the time but still it adds a bit of interest anyway so we will swiftly move on from that now i'm going to throw it back to you daryl for anything else from chelton that we may not have covered
2: uh, no no i've got nothing from there
0: wonderful andrew yourself
1: uh, nothing for me either.
0: Perfect. Yeah, but to be fair, we have covered most of the races. It does feel like at Cheltenham. Anyway, so we will move on to Newbury. I'm going to start in the two o'clock here. We're going to start with the Group 3 Horace Hill Stakes for two-year-olds over seven furlongs. And this is a very interesting race with plenty of pointers to be taken out of it. For next season, for the two-year-old, you'd have thought. And the market is currently headed by Noble Truth, who looks to have everything in his favour, potentially apart from Stall One, which doesn't have a great record in this race. But is that going to be enough to put you off here, Andrew?
1: Um, yeah, interesting race this one. I mean, I, w- I was looking at Light Infantry, who was very impressive at Yarmouth, coming from off the pace to win on the day when most of the winners were prominent, clocking a good time in the process. How will he be ridden though? Because this race um, often goes to uh, a prominent racer or a front runner, as most straight track races do at Liyama at uh, Newbury, unless they're headwind affected. And you look at last year, the um, the, the close tw- close up twenty to one second made the running, and that's now rated eighty five. Go back two years, impressive was placed at sixteen to one. That one's now rated sixty seven. So front runners can often uh, outperform their odds here. Um, so although I quite like, like Infantry, I was looking at American Star at a big price. Who, mm left his race in the stalls at um, Newmarket last time, just played up beforehand, missed the break, never in contention. He's he's two from two on good to soft or soft to going. He's a course and distance winner from the front you go back, you, you look for the last time the front runner was not in the first three or four. Here You have to go back a hell of a long way. So, uh, I mean, Noble Truth another one who could lead. He was second to Angel Blue at uh, Longchamp last time, The group one company. Angel Blue, of course, runs in the um, uh, Criperium International at Sun Clue on Saturday mm. before this race. That's at 12.58. So that's uh, a chance to frank this form. Um, and um, the Helen horse, we haven't seen since winning at Haydock in May. That's a sort of filed under could be anything. A little nibble for that into twelve to one, but at the prices, I just want to be with whoever's likely to be up with the base, who's likely to go on the ground. And at forty to one, American Star, I thought was worth a tiny each way interest.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, of course, in distance winning form as well, and with that experience, and about forty to one is definitely not to be sniffed at whatsoever. Horse number one, there, American Star. Uh, Daryl, do you also take on the favourite here, or or do you think Noble Truth is a good thing?
2: No, I do take him on here. I really like this horse, Noble Truth. I think he's, he's, a, he's a gorgeous horse, but uh, mm-hmm. he just doesn't do himself no favours. He can be far too keen in his races. Uh, last time was interesting in France, where they just decided, right, OK, we're not going to bother holding on to him anymore. Mm. We're just going to let him go and see what happens. Just ran out of steam towards the finish. It's a similar similar type of run at Doncaster at the time before when only beating Hoya Mao by a nose. I think Hoya Mau is the strongest stayer here. I really do. Um, mm. And I, I was torn between Hoya Mao and Lloyd Infantry. I, I'm a bit concerned about Lloyd Infantry. I, I was really impressed at Yarmouth. I really was. But uh, I just wonder, he was so inexperienced that day. And this is going to be a hell of a good clip, I think, early on. Uh, I'm going to side with Mao just because he's just I think he's just rock solid. He won't have any issue with the ground. Um, he stays further than seven furlongs. He's got the form in the book. There's not a lot really not to like about his chances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it very difficult to strike him off my list. Whereas Noble Truth, Keenness, Light Infantry, I'm probably being a bit harsh with Experience maybe. To a Poet, I don't think, will like the ground. Cresta won't like the ground. Um, and then you're out to the likes of Andrew's American Star. So, yeah, I thought Huya Mao was, was the one to be on.
0: Yeah, so coming back to Huya Mao there and with the Andrew Bolding Juvenile going as well as they have done this season, you can completely see the angle there and at a point bigger as well than the favourite Noble Truth. So a couple of selections to take on the favourite there who we all do respect at the same time in the two o'clock at Newbury. We're going to move on to the next race. This is the 235 and this is the Saint Simon stakes, the Group Three year over over a mile four, and we have another short price favourite in this race in Siscani, who is also drawn in one actually, which again won't have a fantastic record in this race, but it is yet another where Charlie Appleby has the short price favourite, but he is the highest rated and getting weight from his rivals here. So does that make him hard to beat, or do you take him on at his current price, Daryl?
2: I think it does make him hard to beat, but I do want to take him on because I do like yeah. the chance of Max Fager in here. I just think this horse has been running over the wrong trip. I absolutely slated yeah. Max Fager for when, um, when they were, when he was favorite for the new market race behind Neof Road.
1: Yeah.
2: Last time over two miles. I just think that they've ran him over one mile, six, one mile, six and two miles. And I just don't think, I think they've watched the visual impression of the race and thought that he stayed the trip, but I don't yeah. think he does really stay the trip. Now in Ebor, he was going past a lot of horses that were coming back um he didn't get a clear run but the best part of that race was in the middle section of that race when he tried to quicken up and he just couldn't sustain his run or or it looked like he did sustain his run it looked like he was closing but it was just he was just staying at one pace um there's just the last time he ran at newbury was over one mile five and a half furlongs here the jeffrey freer he Mm. was just outstayed by Hookham by two lengths now that alone is the single best piece of form in this race
1: yeah
2: um and coming back to Newbury is definitely going to be definitely going to be ideal for him. The drop back in trip is definitely the key to him. His only effort over this trip was in the derby. So you can put a line straight through that. But I just thought the return to soft ground, back at Newbury, drop down in trip, I thought there were lots of positives for reasons for him to go well. Now, I think he's been shaping with considerable promise in his last three runs, but I just don't think he's been seeing out the trip. Uh, he was already winner in the Zetland as a two-year-old. Now I've going to back a bit, but two, as a two-year-old at Newmarket on soft ground. I just think he's got plenty in his favour. He's against a lot of exposed types in here, other than Siscani. Mm-hmm. So I've got one horse to beat, and I'm getting about nine to two to do it. I just thought he was he was a bit of value at the prices.
0: Yeah, definitely. So as you say at the prices, if you can get five to one about him in some places, then Max Vega, if he can just revert back to his best form and over this trip, looks a, a big player in this race that might just be slightly forgotten about or overlooked. Andrew, do you also take on Siscani, or do you respect him as even money favourite?
1: Yeah, just on value grounds. I mean, we're talking about heavy ground here, virtually unraceable. I mean, you know, I think the meeting might have been in danger a day or two ago. And mm-hmm. we, we lost this meeting a couple of years ago, I think, because of waterlogging. And uh, it's going to take some getting. I'm looking at the 2018 winner, Mirando. And so I, I could see, uh, I like Max Vega. I like Mirando. At at, Daryl's gone for Max Vega. I'll go for Mirando. Um, you know, maybe have a saver on Max Vega or a little forecast for the pair. But you know, Mirando... Again, yes, um, he's won twice in October. He likes the mud. I mean, they even deemed the good to soft ground unsuitably quick for him last time out and pulled him out. I, I know he's got placed form over sort of a yeah, mile six and he, sometimes, he tends to stay on whatever trip he runs over, but he's just going to power through this ground. and I think he can put his stamina to good use under Sylvester D'Souza and uh, at eight to one nibbled in from Thames, he'll give you a run for your money, I think.
0: Yeah, as you say, both of your selections have been nibbled in there this morning as well. Max Vega and Mirando there for Andrew have both been subject to some market support since the uh, market did open earlier on. So, couple of value chances there against the favourite in that 235 at Newbury. So, they are a scheduled is done at Newbury. So, I'm going to throw it back to you, Andrew, for anything else from Newbury, please.
1: Uh, no, nothing for me, Kate. Yep,
0: yeah, not at all. And, Daryl, yourself? Uh, I'll
2: just check it. Uh, no, not, <laughs> nothing from me.
0: Well, so what gone. were you just checking for? What was that for?
2: <laughs> uh, no, I, I've got a horse. I, I thought it was a Newbury. No, it's a Doncaster.
0: Oh fair enough then but well, we know where to come back to for Doncaster any <laughs> other bets then completely fair. So we will move to Doncaster then and we now have our group one of the weekend to cover. This is in the 315 at Doncaster in the form of the virtual maturity for two-year-olds over a mile where we will certainly have some classic clues for next season and plenty of market moves for The next season's classics, as well, you would have thought. This race won last year by McSweeney, but we have another O'Brien runner at the head of the market in Luxembourg who's unbeaten from his two starts so far. But you have the more experienced and solid, perhaps form horse in this race in Royal Patronage, second in the market. So, Daryl, do you side with either of the two at the head of the market or do you look elsewhere?
2: Yeah, I think Luxembourg's a very, very, very good horse. I I think his performance at the cover last time was the best I've seen all season from a Um, Mm two-year-old. You can pick holes in him. He's got a high head carriage. You know, he's a bit inexperienced and whatnot. But he's got push-button acceleration. And it was just so impressive to watch him get one tap with a stick and just clear away from his rivals. Mm -hmm. I I thought he was very, very good there. You could tear the former to bits a little bit, but... uh, just on a visual basis, I, I think we're really looking for a standout two-year-old. There's not one in this race outside perhaps him or perhaps Sissoko for Monica for O'Brien, who's been well-supported in the market this week, who won, also won at the Curra last time. Um, it's not a race for me to get involved in. I'm going to watch it with a, with a keen interest towards next year's classic uh, clues, obviously, but uh, mm. Luxembourg would be the selection. I'll just give a quick mention. He, he's not really a price now. I mean, when he was nine to one during the week, I thought Bayside Boy was a bit, mm. bit too big of a price because he is definitely going to appreciate this step up and trip to a mile. He uh, didn't get the best of runs behind Native Trial last time either. So I thought he was worth upgrading that performance. But I think this Luxembourg could be just out, out of the ordinary. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sit out this one.
0: Oh, definitely. So, you No, know, and as you say, Balador they could do with a standout two-year-old to sign off the season with, really, couldn't they? So, Andrew, do you agree that uh, Luxembourg may well be the horse to be taking it? In- forward
1: for the classics then next season yeah i think so i'm I'm like daryl it's um first thing i did at this in this race was try to find you know faults in uh, the form of luxembourg and chinks in the armor couldn't find anything ended up thinking he's probably going to win or you know at least go very close and if there was an each way alternative it would also be bayside um you know who's been very consistent and will probably have the running style that's generally better suited to um yeah, doncaster coming from a little bit further off the pace than at um uh, new Newmarket last time i'd imagine royal patronage will set the race up for the closers and uh, yeah, there's one or two other pace angles in the race and uh, yeah it wasn't really a race that i wanted to get involved in financially a bit like daryl so yeah luxembourg my token pick
0: yeah so a couple of real positive mentions there for luxembourg but not necessarily from a financial perspective to be getting involved with but as we were saying earlier on, if you do like your anti bets, then maybe trying to find any sort of price about Luxembourg then for next year's Derby or Guineas or such like, then you may want to be backing him now before, if you do expect him to dot up, as the market suggests here, then Luxembourg. We're hoping to see a good winner then for Aidan O'Brien in the Vert and Futurity, the Group 1 there at the weekend. So we'll move on to the next race at Doncaster. This is the 350, the listed Doncaster stakes, back again for the two-year-olds as well, but this time over 6 furlongs where the experienced flaming rib currently heads the betting so andrew do you side with experience or are you looking at an unexposed runner here
1: no i'm going with the unexposed angle and uh dear dar for rafe beckett I, I was really impressed by this one's Newbury win now he he stuck to the stand side rail throughout that day that was the first race i think of the straight course and so everyone said oh you want to be high you want to be down that stand side rail everybody else who tried that route later in the race finished out with the washing. And after a few races, they were all racing down the middle, as they normally do at Newbury, and avoiding the stand side like the plague. I think Ocean, Ocean Murphy went solo on one of them and um, you know got beat about 12 lengths. When you look at uh, later on, there was um, uh, al uh in that race where the uh, the three Godolphin runners battled it out. Um, you know, al Hale was drawn highest of the trio, switched to the stand side, looked like he was going to get there or at least finish second. And he virtually stopped. So I, I think Diodor did extremely well to win from where he did that day, and that he can take another step forward by winning this.
0: Yeah, so Deirdre taking on the favourite there. So, Andrew, going for the unexposed angle, Daryl, do you agree or do you side with the experience?
2: No, it's another very strong vote for Deirdre. Uh, oh, for you me. two
0: in agreement today. Yeah, this is, this like, is un- unlike could, the pair of you. Yeah,
2: I quite like I quite like Deirdre as well. I, thought, I think the form um, has worked out pretty well with Witch Hunter back in second. The third mm. is there. Uh, was only narrowly beaten by a hierarchy at Salisbury the time before that. Um, the time figure married up quite well with the seven furlong races on the card as well. I thought the trip was probably on the sharp side, so I thought a bit more cut in the ground might, might suit. Dear, dear It was all under hands and heels, entitled to improve. I thought the Favs had probably had a bit of a hard season coming here. He did, I mean, he did well last time to make all the running at Chester, but it does favour those front running. Time before at York, he only touched off Pocket Rocket by half a length. That forms, um, subsequently ties in with with Deodar actually through Witch Hunter. That's a very loose form line, but it does tie in with Witch Hunter. Uh, Pocket Rocket was miles behind Witch Hunter. I just think Deodar wins and I think it wins well as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. So the pair of lads there again... Agreeing on a selection, taking on the favourite with Diadah, horse number one there in the 350 at Doncaster. They may not have agreed in the fashion stakes so there, for how we were going to film this show today with Andrew. For of <laughs> However, we'd much rather them agree on their runners and their best bets at least anyway, rather than their attire. So there we go. And now we're going to move on to the next race at Doncaster. This is our final scheduled race, at least. Anyway, I think we've been making pretty good time in this. So thank you so much for sticking with us. This is the 4.20 at Doncaster and 0-105 handicap for three rods and over, over five furlongs, which looks a wide open contest. The betting would tell you that in itself. Plenty of horses coming here in good form though. But Daryl, back to you. Who wins this race?
2: Um, I'm going to take a stab at two, but I'm pretty sure one of them's going to win. Um, <laughs> I napped Illusionist. Uh, I just want to get my well, ego rubbed a bit. I napped Illusionist at twenty to one uh, York last time. Um, Nicely done. When she, when she, when he won, um, he was one of the only. Well, he was the only horse to finish in the first forwards, come from well off the pace in a, a track that favours front runners. Um, only a five pound rise for that. I thought that was very, very lenient. Completely unexposed over five furlongs as well. Five fellows on soft ground, form figures one, three, two, six, five. Now the Now, working in reverse, the fifth was in the Windsor Castle in 2019. The sixth was behind Art Power at Royal Ascot in the Hollywood House stakes of a mark of 92. The second was a short head defeat to live in the moment at York off 89. The winner is now 15 pounds higher. Mm-hmm. And the one length defeat, um, we're not getting up uh, off a mark of 90. And then and obviously a latest win. I thought Illusionist had a lot more to come. Ideal conditions, soft ground, five furlongs. Going to be a good clip on here. Looks like fell Astronaut, Copper Knight. Um, I think it's going to start really well. I don't want to abandon Illusionist. The way that he passed horses in that final furlong at York was just really impressive. Mm-hmm. They, it's not like they went overly hard up front either. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Illusionist here. Uh, the other one I do want to back is Lahore. Now, Lahore is a horse that our producer uh, or our boss, Ross, put us on to, actually. Um mm-hmm. For the Air Gold Cup uh, a while back and uh, oh, a couple of starts back. But I thought Lahore did really well uh, behind Illusionists at York last time and uh, beating three and a half lengths. That was a step back in the right direction. This horse dropped well down the handicap. Um, is 11 pounds lower than his last win and is six pounds lower than his last win here at Doncaster's He's three for five at Doncaster. So I think he could be running to form just at the right mm-hmm. time. This is the right track these are probably the right conditions like the connections suggest that he wants soft ground i'm not entirely convinced that he does want soft ground but i'm willing to take a chance he's definitely well handicapped off the market 90 year, rated at 103 <laughs> as early as uh, june so uh, as late as june so i thought having a stab at them too i thought we'll have the winner there
0: nicely done yes so like i say lahore around a nice <laughs> price at a time of recording and also a vote for illusionists. So hopefully double up for you with a best bet as well on that back of that win at york last time out so a couple of selections there for andrew uh for, sorry for daryl andrew back to you for this race
1: please yeah i've got a couple of selections as well but completely different ones to daryl um okay. it's, it's amazing it's amazing how often the winner of this race has come from one of the three highest draws and um Zargun, even though he faces competition for the lead i thought could go well from stall 15 of 15 for the scott dixon yard uh, the Dixons have had four horses start at odds shorter than 18 to 1 in the last fortnight. Uh, a second by neck at 14 to 1, three winners 9 to 1, 6 mm-hmm. to 1, 5 to 1. Zargum was one of those winners at Catarick last week when he looked to be in another race where there was lots of early pace on. Indeed, he got taken on for the lead, uh, you know, but he still managed to hold on and win quite comfortably. The second and third came from well off the pace, so that was a run that marked him up forget rolling down that near side rail and that is the place to be as it often is in, on late season Donny ground when the middle's been cut up after being raced on all season then he could go well and the other one was uh, Zim Baby for Mick Appleby now um, she's not had many opportunities over five furlongs the last time she raced at this trip um, you know with cutting the ground she finished second a close second to Catterick in the spring off a three pound higher mark and the only time she raced at Doncaster, she raced in the um, listed Wentworth stakes over six furlongs. She was 40 to one. The ground was quicker than ideal, I think. And uh, so she's, um, she's finished third. So uh, I think the Zim baby, unexposed at the trip. Big price as well, I would imagine. And mm-hmm. go with go with the Zeds.
0: <laughs> yeah. So all the Zeds then for Andrew here. Yeah. So all the Zeds and all the middle to high draws, but whichever angle you want to take in either way. Yeah, Zimbabwe at around sixteen to one. And also for Zargon there in school fifteen at around uh, seven to one has just had a few nibbles in from eight to one as well. So we've got four selections there in what is a wide open five furlong handicap at Doncaster to finish off our scheduled races that we have to talk about. So Andrew, I'm gonna go back to you for anything else at Doncaster, please.
1: Yeah, one of my strongest bets of the week, perhaps the nap, will be Masked Identity in the one o'clock for Mark uh, Lockdown. Now, um, this was a horse I often tipped up each way last back end um, when trained by uh, another yard and uh, Sean Keithley's yard, and it goes really well on soft ground or heavy ground. And loves straight tracks as well. Now, his uh, his five best racing post ratings on turf have come on straight courses. He caught the eye at Nottingham last time out um, over a round mile, finishing second at 25 to 1. Came from off the pace on a day when it paid to be prominent. The winner and the third were up there throughout. And um, he's nine pounds lower than when finishing fifth of 19 behind zip over course and distance in the mud last back end. So Mm. uh, lots of ticks in boxes for masked identity, the kind of horse who after traveling really strongly occasionally gets run out of it when you think he's sure to win maybe that was more to do with josephine gordon than um you know anything to do with what's between the horse's ears so uh, yeah yeah let's go master identity in the one o'clock and scott dixon's got two other runners as well i mentioned how um, the yards form he's also got a geo giobo in this one o'clock race and in the 455 every so just mm. keep an eye on those as well
0: yeah so a couple of scott dixon runners to keep an eye at uh, on um keep an eye out for there at Doncaster, but also the the most confident bet. And I'm hoping to go back to you for the nap then for this weekend in number five masked identity in the one o'clock at Doncaster. Daryl anything else from you at Doncaster please? Yeah,
2: uh it beats the Rocks in the in the 205 Doncaster. Again, another big price nap that only managed second behind Sunray Major. We went off favourite for the uh what was it for? What race your favourite for last week? Uh
0: it well, what at Leicester.
2: No, Sunray Major. Oh, sorry. Crazy. Sunray Major. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah. He went off... Um, the, the. Balmoral, roster. wasn't it?
2: Balmoral. Uh, Balmoral, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'm losing my mind there. Okay. Yeah, went off favourite for the Balmoral. Obviously, disappointed there. But uh, it Beats the Rocks was given plenty to do behind Sunray Major, uh, I felt like Kieran Schumacher could have just taken his gap. The first, If he'd have took the gap the first time, I think he would have finished closer than two lengths suggest. But uh, Abel Kane was back and forth. Has come out and won since. I think it was a big, big run from Ibiza Rocks. Unexposed, a couple of starts ago as well, was um, finished well clear of the field behind Silent Escape, Escape, who went on to to win a listed contest uh, next time. Up a pound for the last run, um, uh, uh, Ascot. I think this horse is uh, very well handicapped off a mark of 87. Mm -hmm. Hoping to get a win out of him for the season's out.
0: Wonderful. And I love the pure bog pronunciation of Ibiza as well. Ibiza Rocks. Ibiza. You've been listening to that song too much as well. <laughs> well, who was that? Who sang that? I can't remember now. Um, yes, so, so that is uh Rocks there, number eleven in the two oh five at Doncaster. So Daryl, back to you for anything from anywhere else. I don't know if there's a race we haven't covered yet.
2: No, just oh, there is in St. Cloud. <laughs>
0: ah, very just, well done. We're going international. Yeah. Yeah,
2: just <laughs> one in that in that twelve fifty-eight Andrew mentioned earlier. Um I haven't seen any prices yet, but I'm very, very keen on Ancient Rome. Um, I thought this horse did remarkably well last time behind uh, Angel Bleu and uh, Noble Truth to come from the position he came from. So uh, I think he's uh, he's got a bright future.
0: Yeah. So Ancient Rome, their number five is here. I haven't got a show of betting yet, but for Andre Fab in the 12.58 at Saint-Cloud, the same race that Angel Bleu is running in. So, Andrew, yourself, anything else from anywhere else, please? Uh, no,
1: that's it for me. Yeah,
0: fair enough. So all there is left to do is to get your nap. So, Andrew, I feel like we know where we're going with you, at least. Anyway, is it to the one o'clock at Doncaster? Yeah,
1: I was toying with just your type in the 220 at Cheltenham, but I'll go to Donny that opening race and mask identity.
0: Yeah, mask identity, number five in the one o'clock at Doncaster. Daryl, your nap, please. Oh, I was, I,
2: was, I was torn between Max Vega and... Uh, and uh... Well, wow, all of them, really. Um, <laughs> let's go for the Rocks in the 205, Doncaster. <laughs>
0: and he's sticking with it. He's holding tough there with beats the Rocks. Right. <laughs> that is a perfect nap then. And my nap is going to be Domaine Demi- uh, de Lille in the 220 at Cheltenham because I was tempted to go Sky Pirate, the fact that we all agreed. But no, I'm going to go with the bigger price one there, Domaine de Lille in the 220 at Cheltenham. So that is everything for us this week. As I say, I think we have made this through in pretty good good time so a huge thank you to the lads for all of their hard work and through all of these races another big thank you to sbk of course our sponsor and a big thank you to you for watching hopefully you enjoy uh, this weekend's racing hopefully the tweed will be donned there for all of our viewers as well as andrew is so fashionably demonstrating himself so enjoy this weekend's action and we will catch up with you again next week